So we're uh, to one of those high-pressure holidays, right? It's Valentine's Day. Might be high-pressure for you, depending on your situation. For some people, it's like, I don't even want to think about it because it reminds me of something that hasn't happened or reminds me of something that has happened that was really bad. And so you would just as soon skip this holiday. For other people, maybe you're thinking, man, I hope I got it all right, the right card, the right gift, the right plan for the day. And if it doesn't turn out just like we want, I mean, it's a failure. Maybe you're just thinking, you know what, it reminds me that sometimes love can turn to hate so easily. We talked about that last week and how, how powerful hate is and how love really can become hate if we're not careful. And, and we continue in that thought throughout this series that's going to go on all month long, but we're thinking more about how can we allow the power of love to be at work in our lives so that it overcomes any hate that we might experience. And so we're thinking about several different causes for hate and how hate can really take hold of our hearts and therefore take hold of our lives and how we deal with that. And one of the easiest paths to hate is through our hurt. Now, we've all been hurt somewhere or another in our lives. We've experienced real pain because of what someone did or said. I know that's true for me. I thought back a little bit this week and thought about some things that happened in my life. When I was in eighth grade, I had a best friend. I mean, he was a year ahead, always filling me in on what was next at school. And we spent time at each other's house, sat on the bus together every day. And one morning, he got on the bus, passed by the seat where we always sat, went to the back of the bus, and never spoke to me again. And I still don't know why. 40 years later, I still don't know why, okay? And it was like, what happened? And it really hurt. Maybe you know about something like that. Or I've served with people in church and we've been through difficult stuff and stayed together and really had these goals in mind. And then they walk away from the church, walk away from what we're doing, and it hurts had staff members that I've worked really closely with that end up being on the opposite ends of some things and it was ugly and, and it hurt. And it's really easy if we're not careful, if we hang on to that hurt, for that hurt to become hate. And hate can be such a powerful motivator in our lives. You know, I think when we're hurt, we sort of immediately or automatically go to hate because we want to protect ourselves, right? If I'm really hurt, I don't want that person to have the opportunity to hurt me again. And so I'm pushing back. And one of the ways I push back is through hate. Maybe you know what being hurt is like that leads to hate. The spouse who cheats the kids who turn their back on you and curse everything about you, the parent who does nothing but criticize, they're always ready to tell you how you did it wrong and why didn't you think of doing it the right way, the friend who doesn't need you anymore. We know what hurt is like and how it can lead to hate, so what do we do with it? That's what I want us to think about a few minutes today. And to do that, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, right at the end of chapter 18. Now, what's interesting as we come to this part of the Gospel of Matthew is there's a big change just about to take place. The first 18 chapters of Matthew are all about Jesus' ministry. They're about the three years that he spent ministering in Galilee, which is in the northern part of what we would call Israel, was then called Palestine. And we know that this was sort of a rural area away from the population center in the south in Judea, especially around Jerusalem. So Jesus has this three-year ministry with his 12 apostles, disciples then, and then lots of other people that he taught. And we hear what Jesus said 
And we see Matthew tell the stories of what Jesus did. And then right at the end of chapter 18, beginning of chapter 19, there's a big turn. And Jesus goes to Jerusalem. And there's very little time left. The first 18 chapters, three years. The last few chapters are just a few weeks. Jesus is going to Jerusalem for a reason. He knows that when he goes there, he's going to die on a cross and he's going to pay the price for my sin and yours. That's what's going to take place. And he knows where he's headed. But just before he leaves, there's a story that Matthew records. And interestingly, since we know Jesus is headed to the cross and that's all about forgiveness, this story is all about forgiveness. And it goes like this. Peter, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, the ones that are closest to him, really one of the three that were very closest, Peter comes to Jesus and says this, How many times should I forgive someone? Is it seven times? Now, Peter knew that all the rabbis who had studied the law said, You are required to forgive someone three times. Okay, They do something, forgive them. Do it again, forgive them again. Do it again, forgive them again. After that, you don't have to. Okay, It's not required anymore. You've done your duty. You see what Peter does. He takes that three that he would have known about, everyone knew about it. He doubles it, adds one more for good measure to get to the perfect number, the number of completion, seven. Okay, Seven times. So you're telling me, We're supposed to forgive, and then again, 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 again. Surely when Jesus hears Peter be so generous with his forgiveness, Jesus is going to commend him, right? I mean, man, look at you. You're ready to forgive not just three times, not just double that. Add one more for completion. Man, Peter, you are awesome. I think that's what Peter was expecting. That's not what Peter got. Verse 22. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. No, Peter, that's that's not good enough. And my guess is Peter and we hear Jesus reply and think, "That's, that's a whole lot of forgiveness, isn't it? 77 times? I'm supposed to forgive someone 77 times? I don't really think Jesus is saying we should count that many. In fact, I think what Jesus is saying is, just don't count. Don't count to three. Don't count to seven. Don't count to 77. Because Jesus knew something important about relationships. If you want to have long-term lifelong, healthy relationships, you are going to have to forgive the other person. And they're going to have to forgive you. Because you see, we're sinners and we mess stuff up. We say stuff. We regret. You know, the truth is, yeah, I was hurt a few times in my life, but it's also true, as much as I don't want to admit it, I've hurt other people. I've said things and I've done things. Maybe not intentionally, I'm going to do this so they're going to feel bad, but I've done it. And they felt it, and I've had to apologize. We don't like to say that, but it's true. And in a long-term, healthy relationship, we're going to have to forgive and forgive again and forgive again, and it's going to be way more than seven, and we might as well just close the book and keep forgiving. 
because that's the only way the relationship will work. And then Jesus told a story to drive his point home. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. I know when Jesus says kingdom of heaven in Matthew, sometimes we think, okay, well, when Jesus comes back and we all go to heaven, this is what it's going to be like. But that's not what he's talking about. He's saying this is what happens. This is the way it looks when heaven, when God is in charge here. So he's looking to the time just after the next few weeks when he's killed and then raised from the dead and then Jesus is in charge. Okay? He's talking about now. He's talking about us. This is the way it looks. So there was this king who decided that it was time to settle his debts. Not debts he owed, debts that were owed him. And he calls in his favorite CPA firm and he says, okay, we're going to bring them in and I want you to open the books and I want you to let them know what they owe and we're going to start collecting today. And so they do. And he brings in this one guy especially. He brings in this one guy who owes 10,000, as my translation says, bags of gold. Literally, it's 10,000 talents. It was just a weight and you would weigh out a precious metal, gold, silver, bronze. It was a lot of money. It's notoriously difficult to translate biblical currency into 21st century currency, but some of the scholars say this guy owed millions. Other scholars say he owed billions. Okay? This is more money than anybody that Jesus is teaching would have ever seen in their whole life. This is more money than than almost anybody who had lived up to this point, just the, the very richest kings would have ever had money like this, but this guy owes it. And the king says, okay, this is what the account says. Time to pay up. Well, the crowd knew when Jesus said that, that this guy wasn't going to have it. Nobody had that much money. And so the man says, I, I don't have it. I can't pay that. And the king says, okay, call him in. Call his whole family in. I want you to sell them all off into slavery to cover just the tiny portion of debt that they're worth. But more important, this would have been assigned to everybody else. You don't, you don't walk off on a debt owed to the king. And immediately the man throws himself down on the ground and pleads with the king just to give him more time. Now, we all know more time's not going to help. He's not going to come up with billions of dollars, but he's just trying to get a few minutes to try to deal with this problem. And the king says, no. The king says, I'm not going to give you more time. Your debt is canceled. You don't have to pay back any of it. You're free to go. And he leaves. And I guess Jesus' followers must have been thinking, wow, that's, that's incredible. Nobody forgives billions of dollars of debt. That just doesn't happen. That's an incredible story, Jesus. But that's not where the story ends. Verse 28 but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Now, that's not something to sneeze at. A hundred silver coins was thousands, let's say. 
It's not millions, it's not billions, but it's a sum. But it's not nearly what this guy owed. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And we're shocked, right? Everybody who heard this story was shocked. What do you mean? You've just been forgiven billions of dollars of debt and you're going to get excited about a couple thousand? You're going to choke somebody over that after you've just been forgiven all that debt that you could never repay? You were going to be sold into slavery? And he, he demands that this man be thrown in prison until he can pay it back. And we say, well, that's not going to help because if he's in prison, he's not working. So how's he going to have any money to pay this? Well, the hope would have been his friends, his family would have come to his rescue, paid the debt so he could be released. He begs for forgiveness, begs for time. It's not given. Put him in jail. Well, if this had happened in 2021, my guess is somebody would have had a cell phone handy and would have taken a video of what went on between these two guys at the end, and immediately that video would have gone viral because somebody would have posted it. And even in the first century, there were people watching, and they report back to the king. And the king hears what has happened with this man, and he is furious. Verse 32, then the master called, in the, ser called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you, have you, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Literally handed over to the torturers to be tortured. This was worse than the slavery he would have been sold into at the beginning. Because of his unforgiveness. And then Jesus said, that's the way it is with you. Because you're forgiven much. You better be ready to forgive. See, Jesus had this amazing insight into our nature. <laughs> that we can allow unforgiveness to build up inside us. And ultimately what it does is enslave us. It tortures us. We have been forgiven so much, though. Jesus is headed to the cross at this point. And his message is, you got to be ready to forgive, too. In fact, we might put it this way. Forgive, keep the hurt from becoming hate. Because it does. Jesus is saying if you don't want to be overcome by the hate, you got to forgive the hurt. It all goes back to really what we're, we were created to be. This is the heart of the gospel. I mean, we are told in Scripture that we are created in God's image. And what that means is we have been called to spend our lives bearing the image of God to the people around us, showing the people around us who God is because of how He's at work in our lives. By what we say, what we do, the way we live our lives communicates God to the people around us. But we forget that, don't we? We end up worshiping things that were created rather than the Creator. We worship the things that we see in this life that we like. 
like money and what money can buy and the security that money gives us and power and sex and food and all sorts of stuff. And we pursue that instead of God. It's called sin. It's idolatry. All that stuff becomes more important than God, and so we follow our way rather than God's way. And that sin can destroy us. It does destroy us. And that's why Jesus, at the beginning of chapter 19, went to Jerusalem to take all of our evil, all of the evil at work in the world that would corrupt us and keep us from bearing the image of God because, you see, that sin is so powerful. It keeps us from doing what we were created to do. But when Jesus took that on the cross, he restores God's vision for who we can be within us. And once again, we can fulfill our purpose, which is to bear the image of God. But you see, when we refuse to forgive and we allow the hurt to take over in our lives, we are giving up part of God's image in us, part of our very humanity, because God clearly, from what Jesus is about to do, is a graceful, loving, forgiving God. And if we're going to communicate to the people around us the nature of God, as we're called to do, we have to forgive because God forgives. But if we don't, if we don't, then our nature is corrupted. We are enslaved and tortured by our hurt and unforgiveness. And so we have to make a decision. I'm going to forgive. Now, nowhere in this story or in this teaching does Jesus say, you know what, forgiveness really isn't that hard anyway. It's not that big a deal. Just do it. Well, Jesus knew better. Forgiveness is really easy to talk about, at least I've found, until you actually have to forgive someone for something that really hurts. And then it's hard. It's really hard. There's a price to pay. Nobody knew the price to pay for forgiveness any more than Jesus did. Because he paid it. And so we have to decide. Yes, forgiveness is costly. Yes, forgiveness is hard to do. I'm going to do it anyway. And I need help. Because I don't think any of us can really forgive without the power of God at work in us. Because it's God who is ultimately forgiving. And he's the one who shows us how. He's the one who helps us see how we can forgive. So... I bet most of us, if we thought for just a minute, could think of some things that we have not really forgiven. Maybe we've really struggled with it. Maybe it's been there a few years. And if you're honest, it's enslaving you. It's torturing you. And it's taking you from hurt to hate. Make the decision now. Forgive so that hurt doesn't become hate. Let's pray together. God, we could list ways that we've been hurt and we could probably list a lot of ways that we've hurt other people. And we come before you today asking that you would forgive us 
And forgive us in such powerful ways that it covers all of our sin, even though we don't deserve it. But God, also help us to forgive the people around us because we don't want the hurt and the hate to enslave us, to torture us. Help us to be like you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.